0: Welcome to the Media Navigators, brought to you by the World Media Group. Uh, my name is Belinda Barker, and I'm the Chief Executive. Uh, and this is our annual roundup for the year, for 2023. And we're also going to be looking forward to 2024. Now, the World Media Group exists to promote the values of um, great, trusted journalism and our amazing brands. Um, today I have three senior commercial leaders from those brands. Damien um, Damian Douglas who is the Managing Director uh, of the EMEA at Time Magazine. Welcome Damian. Thank you Belinda, looking forward to talking. And uh, Emma Winchurch-Beal who's the VP for Growth Partnerships for The Economist. Welcome Emma.
1: Thank you, Belinda. Looking forward to having a conversation today.
0: And uh, last, but by no means least, Samantha Adams, who's the VP for Advertising Sales for Western Europe for so BBC News. Welcome, Sam.
2: Hi, everyone.
0: Hi. Um, this year has been... Um, every year, I feel like I say this year has been an incredible year. It's been enormous. It's been so fast-paced and... Each subsequent year seems to be even faster, and this one is by no means an exception. Um, I know that when we did last year's Roundup, uh, none of us talked about ARE as being one of the biggest um, things that were going to happen in the following year, i.e. this year. So potentially, you know, our predictions are not necessarily going to be 100% accurate for 2024. So, Emma, I'd like you to lead the conversation first about what it, from a commercial perspective, what you felt were the biggest trends for this year.
1: Thank you, Belinda. Well, I would say that you've already um, touched on one, which is AI is the new buzzword. Um, and I know we're going to dig deeper into that in, in this conversation this morning, but AI gets real in 2024 for businesses that are adopting it. Regulators are regulating it, and techies continue to improve it. So I do think it's really started this year and we will see that continue next year. I think also the other thing that I have found um, is that there is, longer considerations for programs. Um, certainly, there are more key, key stakeholders um, involved in programming, decision-making. And so I've found that the the sort of sign-off process is taking much longer um, this year than it has previously. Is that uh, a good thing or a bad thing? I think it's just something that we, we all need to get used to now because it is there are many, many stakeholders involved in in sign-off of programs. And I think that's just the trend that's going to continue. Um, I don't think it's a good thing or a bad thing. It's just a, sh- a shift in the way that um, sign-off for business pro- programs is happening. I think deal sizes are getting bigger. Um, that's probably feeding into why programs are taking longer to sign-off. So, I think also... Kind of following through from that, there is an appetite for more meaningful projects as brands continue to be, want to be more authentic. They don't want to be classed as greenwashing um, or, or to be doing something uh, that, that doesn't have some substance to it. So I, I also see that as a trend that's, that's continuing um, this year another thing i think there's a definite return to in person events i think we seem to have left covid behind and there is a lot more in person meetings a lot more event programming a lot more appetite to attend bigger events to um network with your peers um to learn and and, and to understand in person i think the the video conferencing um, fatigue has really kicked in and, there, and there's definitely this year more than last year a return to in-person.
0: But the what Emma was talking about in terms of the the, the size and the in, more in-depth nature of um, projects is that something that you uh, Damien Sam uh, are you experiencing that in a similar way?
2: Yeah absolutely and I think Actually, this year we saw a real masterclass in branded entertainment with the Barbie movie, which isn't something that we would usually talk about on a World Media Group podcast, <laughs> but subsequently we have seen a rise in the number of brands that are looking to engage in true commercial partnerships. So bringing it back to what Emma was saying about these, like, the meaningful projects and the longer consideration times, there are these requests coming in for more blue-sky thinking. Um, but whilst brands are starting to think bigger, they are definitely being more cautious about where and how they spend their budgets, and this real need for a return on investment was critical this year.
1: Interesting. Damien?
3: Oh. i know I agree, I agree with him planning um sales cycles or typical sales cycles i've been saying this for a few years now um have have pushed out significantly kind of six plus months um when i look across some of the sales cycles in our own organization but that's because you don't see many advertising clients traditionally anymore they clients are brand brand storytellers. um they lean into us to tell their stories on our platforms but they also have to tell the world how how they are relevant today because that landscape has changed pretty significantly over the last three or four years. And whether, you know, that's the, the post-COVID landscape or whether that's the pre-Gen I, Gen AI landscape, you know, these businesses are different businesses now. Um, and yeah, they, they, they are now having to say why they're relevant. And also justify their existence from a purpose and values perspective, because we're asking those questions now. And um and that means there's more stakeholders. To, to Emma's point, like PR, comms, marketing, planning, um, execution. Um, so yeah, the sales cycles are are longer. The relationships tend to be more long term, though. So there's pluses here, uh, and I think similarly, um, you know, few, fewer partners, deeper partnerships tends to be um, the way we look at it. And I'm not sure if. That's the same with Em and, em and Sam, um, okay. but fewer fewer partners, deeper partnerships, longer relationships. So, you know, working with partners that make sense for your brand values and their brand values tends to be um, tends to be the real trend at the moment.
0: Sam, if you don't mind me coming back to you, you mentioned that that uh, clients were demanding um, you know clearer ROI on on campaigns. How? How how has that changed? How are you able to measure and 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 deliver that?
2: Yeah, at the BBC, I mean, we've always provided end of campaign reports, but now we're just putting the depth of analysis in them is, is far greater than we've ever done before. So we lean heavily on our data team, looking at everything from scroll depths of odd calls to time watching videos. But really trying to give as much analytical data as possible. And this information is, it all goes back to Damien's point of the having longer partnerships. This information is then being fed into the beginning of the sales cycle on the next project. So we're taking learners from previous projects and building upon them and just continually to make, to get more out of all the assets, especially with content creation, when you put so much effort into producing a beautiful film for a client you need it to go beyond just one thing if we could go back to
0: uh talking uh, emma briefly mentioned generative ai um and how that's going to evolve during 2024 um how do sam do you have Any thoughts on on how you think that's going to be applied differently?
2: Yeah, I've got so many thoughts on um, Gen AI. I mean, it's been one of the biggest topics of this year. I think that I haven't been to a conference that hasn't discussed it in some way. And it really is going to affect our industry. And there's no doubt that it's already beginning to change the way that we work. But I feel there's still a long way to go on winning the site wider trust, but the speed of progress is it's frightening um looking particularly at the ad industry i think brands are increasingly exploring the use of ai um curation and personalization um, people to using it to work smarter um and it's enabling advertisers to ena- analyze Vast amounts of data to really understand consumers behavior more so than we could ever do before, just with the sight the amount of information that we now have and you know consumer preferences their demographics so it 's really increasing the relevance of ads to consumer and allowing for greater personalization and targeting, be it within the programmatic space or display advertising but also and it's really inherent on brand safety, which isn't an issue with trusted media brands like members of the World Media Group, but definitely across the wider media landscape. Um, they're getting much better at picking up areas of misinformation, which is particularly important in 2024 as we've got so many elections taking place around the world. So hopefully AI will have a real impact in getting those... The, you know, true messages across. And finally, it's really, it's going to offer so many efficiencies or cost savings. And what I really hope is that it frees up more time for even better use of human creativity, which at the end of the day is that what makes brands stand out is that real human um, creativity across, across all their work.
0: Damien, you briefly put your hand up there.
3: Yeah, Yeah. no, um, I agree with Sam. The the two words I wrote, I wrote efficiency and scale down when I was kind of researching this yesterday because I did a uh, discussion on this about three or four weeks ago. Um, And efficiency across the board, right? We're going to know more about our audiences. We're going to be able to model those more efficiently. We're going to be able to look at uh, how we optimize in absolute real time. Uh, I mean, absolute real time, which is a, a real plus. All of this comes with significant risk and challenge right um you know the more data we have available to us the more responsible we have to be and to sam's point um from a brand safety perspective that's why where our brands win out time over time um but you know we've got to work out how it plays with legislation look gdpr and cpca have been hugely strong deterrents, um but are regional and data isn't regional uh, and then we look at where the 10 largest fines for GDPR have been delivered over the last two to three years. And that's all been across Meta, Google, and Amazon platforms. So, you know, we've got a, um, a huge opportunity. Um, but with that, us um, being more responsible around how we handle consumer data and what we use it for is going to be imperative. Uh, I think that's one of the biggest trends I've seen, certainly. In the last 12 to 18 months, his publishers starting to really own and generate their own uh, in-house data platforms. Um, and that's also kind of coinciding with uh, that move to a cookie future, which is kind of lingering there in the background. So, yeah, it's a huge, huge, huge opportunity. Efficiency is a real key word here, though. Um, but also responsibility. Sorry, I'm-
1: I was I was just going to add really that I think generative, generative AI will go mainstream and only just yesterday two of our members Politico and Business Insider um, as part of Access Spring have announced that um, a partnership with OpenAI so GBT is going to summarise Politico and Business Insider articles in the first of a kind deal so I think we will see more and more um, work. Um, to really protect journalism and to ensure that um, we are partnering and being open about um, how um, ChatGPT and AI doesn't take away anything from uh, editorial values. And I think there will be a debate that will intensify over the best regu- regulatory approach that doesn't actually prevent. Us going forwards, but also there is there does need to be regulation around um, this this yeah. kind of really exciting development. So.
3: And on on that point, then, like I've always fundamentally believed that good journalism um, and good journalists introduce you to subjects that you might not think you want to know about, but you should know about and do know about. And that's where Charity AI still um, still lags behind that that human aspect if you like so you know where the two things work hand in and i think we'll end up in a position where if you're reading ai generated content you'll see it clearly labeled on sites um because i think that's that that's the the need for trust and i think one of the discussions we had back in in june um was about how certainly subscription-based sites um can ring fence content so it's not general gen- ai pullable from if that makes sense. Um because otherwise that just detracts from subscription value that's being generated across a number of partners that we have within the World Media Group. So there's just a ton of stuff um I think that needs figuring out. But I think the general sentiment is the world still needs quality journalism and AI is not going to take that that mantle.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um
0: I'm conscious of time, so I'm I, I I feel like we're gonna Cover the have to cover the next subject quite quickly, and they're three really really meaty subjects. So, but if you can try and um, be as focused as you can about kind of the three biggest advertising challenges of this year, Um, one uh, the first one being uh, around sustainability. Now, Damien, I know that you just came back from COP. I would be interested to know whether there were any learnings from crop um that that could impact yeah. advertising.
3: Oh, more problem so just I'll, I'll keep this one quite quite short, but just taking a step back away from advertising, um, how is it gonna affect business? A, a we got fossils mentioned, which is incredible, um, given that uh, the event was being held by a, by a petro state and it's the first time that fossils got mentioned in the absolute wrap up. So that's a big step forward. Um, but the big takeout for me, and I'm going to quote um, Norbert O'Gruninson, who's Germany's deputy special envoy, particularly around business. He said, the business voice remains fragmented by different viewpoints. Speaking in unison would yield very different re- results. Um and that sums it up, right? Um, all businesses are at different stages in their climate sustainability journey, uh, but having a plan is massively important. But when you have significant inflationary pressures um, that are margin kind of growth economics, um, you know, the business, first and foremost, is that the service is shareholders, right? So it's looking for competitive advantage. So unless you get sustainability and climate to be above that agenda, or certainly a consideration when you're looking at shareholder value, you know, you are going to get people lagging behind unless policy comes in and says you have to. Um, so I just think we're, we're still not as far forward as many of the people at COP would have liked. Um, and the one, Kim, given we're going into the Christmas period, the one question I asked, our chief climate officer, um, was though. We're still measuring economic performance by GDPR, which is still, you know, pushing consumerism. Um, and actually we need to change our consumer behaviors um to consume less fundamentally, um to recycle, to look at where our products are being made from. So that would be my sense, like how can clients change I can big brands change the way we consume? Um without just keeping to push more stuff at us. Uh, I think everybody has a responsibility there. So that's my takeout.
0: Emma. Uh, advertising in a in a difficult economic climate. That's your question yes, for one minute.
1: <laughs> Thanks to Tom Standage um, and the world ahead. I was able to to get some guidance on this one. But the world economy remains fragile in 2024. And whilst most of the Western economies have fared better in 2023 than was expected, the risk on interest rates remain high. And the longer that goes on, it becomes more more painful for companies and consumers, even if we avoid recession. And I think, you know, when we look at um, coming on to Sam's sort of focus on the election year, that also has a big impact on economies because in election years, it makes economies um, more uncertain and and that also has an impact. I think we can't avoid also when we're looking at the economic climate, what's going on in the Middle East and, and the war in Ukraine, it's continuing. And, this, and then we have tensions between China and Taiwan and these all make for uncertain times and, and impact oil prices and all of those factors feed into the economic climate. And I think... With uncertainty comes caution and there is more pressure on accountability on marketing budgets. And I think that poor CMO now is sort of not only answering to sort of the, the CEO, but also the CFO and the COO. So the, the CMO has even more pressure and accountability um, in economic uncertainty. Um, so I think, yes, it's it's hopefully will continue and it won't get any worse, but I think we are looking at a, a continuation of our uncertain economic climate in 2024, and that has huge impact on, on business. So that's still I mean, feels slightly like more positive. <laughs> Sorry, Damien.
3: I said yeah. we should host the lunch. We don't need to go now on is nice. Um <laughs> but e- i agreed entirely like economic instability um has been a uh consistent this year. And the election cycle next year kind of means a little bit more of the same, I would say, Sam. (laughs) But,
0: yeah, Sam, it it was, uh, uh, you got the subject of election year, which is obviously what we're moving into next year.
2: Yeah, and it's going to be a massive year of political change. We've got over 40 countries taking part in elections and including the u s the u k and India, so as Emma was saying there's got a lot of you know uncertainty um in the world at the moment, but election years are always interesting, and many brands consider going dark during this time, but there's no real need to do this, but it's really important for brands to be true to their brand identity and to have a consistent focus on their core messaging and to avoid. Diluting that message. Um, but elections can offer, you know, lots of opportunity as well, especially for timely reactive advertising. For example, a brand could double down on messaging about their commitment to a certain value, such as sustainability, which could really resonate with a politically conscious audience. Um, and again, coming back to the world media group, there is often a lot of misinformation around elections. So It's really important for brands and consumers to engage with quality publishers who can offer brand-safe environments and also that trusted quality journalism so that you know the truth of the messaging out there. Thanks, Sam. Um, uh, Could you give me
0: one sentence, Summer, of of 2023?
2: Do you have a – what would be your one – I can go better than one sentence. I can go with one word. Oh, go for it. (laughs) Transitional. Mm,
0: Transitional.
1: Okay. Emma, what would be yours? Mine is a sentence. It's not one word. I'm not that (laughs) concise. I would say busy, a year that's really moved forwards um, and a return to the office. Daniel?
3: I'm going to go with one word as well, and that's unpredictable.
1: Interesting. Transitional,
2: unpredictable, busy. <laughs> okay, but overall, it's been challenging and inspiring. I think. Yeah, I, really I'd say in.
3: the same. When you got when you got a geopolitical landscape that is is as unstable as it is, um, that kind of seeps into everything that we do. Um, but to Sam's point, from a journalistic perspective, um you can be inspired by the work that our teams do. Well, we've had people on the ground in Ukraine, we've had people on the ground in the Middle East um, trying to hold people to account um, and then trying to champion individuals that are doing incredible things on the other side. So, you know, that's that's what our brands are about.
0: It's a finding looking towards twenty twenty. Actually, before I ask you the last question, I'd be interested from Emma. You right at the beginning, you were talking about bigger programs, uh, uh, perhaps perhaps less programs, but but you know more intense programs uh, for this year. Are you? Do you think that
1: that's going to continue going forward? Yes, absolutely. It's definitely a trend that's that started and is here for to continue in that way. I think uh brands have taken quite a bit in house themselves and then I think now are looking to work with partners who can help facilitate that um that work um and certainly create new content that's not just um that's actually got something meaningful behind it that they can then use um to speak and lead thought leadership on. So I, I would say yes, it's a trend that's going to continue. Yeah. And
0: what are you most looking forward to in 2024, Emma? Do you want to kick us off?
1: I'm a big sporting fan. So there's a lot of good sports, so I'm looking forward to the Olympics oh, no, no, no. Um, in particular because it's only on that or in Paris. Um, I found uh, I found out the ant- astronauts are returning to the moon, so I'm a real spacey. So I'm excited about that because that's kind of going back to the old school, but it's new for 2024. So. Um, and then it's a leap year, so an extra day to get work done.
0: <laughs> okay, Emma, I'm impressed. Um, Damien, do you want to take take that one?
3: I am going to stay on the positive side here and say I'm really hopeful we get a new set of leadership emerging across some of the most important um, political landscapes in the world. I'm, I'm when you
0: say new leadership, it
3: well, okay. no, I'd, I'd, well, having just been in the states, um, there's definitely concern out there um, about um, the election cycle in the states. But I just think we've had a decade now of um, really poor standards through our political leadership, and it just feels that uh, we have an opportunity in well in a twelve month period to to write some of those challenges um, and. Uh, we have an opportunity now to to put some leadership in place that try, shows proper statesmanship that keeps politics off the front pages, um, and we go back to being uh, public servants and doing what's right for people rather than um, what's right for individuals. And I think we've got a really important one in the UK. India is is is, is huge, given that uh, you know it's likely to be the largest nation globally moving forward. Um, and clearly, we've got the US. So. You, it's got it's a concern, but B, I think we have got to look at it as an absolute opportunity and hope and trust that people do the things that are best for everybody, rather than the things that are best for just them solely.
0: I like that. That's it's really
2: optimistic, um, Sam. We'll, we'll
3: wait for next year. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
2: Yeah, and um, I always love the start of a new year, both professionally and personally, because. I think it's really great to have that reset, but also to take all the learnings from the previous year and build upon them. Um, Like Emma, I'm really excited about the Olympics and Paralympics, um, mainly because I know we're going to see some brilliant advertising, creative, there's going to be amazing content out on the television. And also professionally, I, I find it really exciting to work with brands on trying to amplify their partnerships around, you know, just, not just on the physical location of the Olympics, but see what we can do beyond that and take it to new audiences. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a really good year. Excited. I'm excited now. (laughs) Thank
0: you. Thank you very much for um, spending the time with me this morning. Um, Really interesting insights, um, particularly around... um, I, I know I've picked up on this various times through, the whole the uh, bigger programmes, more intense, more thoughtful on, on the commercial side. And also just the, the positivity, I think, uh, around the change for next year. Um, and with that, I would like to thank uh, Emma, Damien and Smith for their time. And I look forward to seeing you all in the new year. Thank you very much.
1: Thanks, everybody. Thank you.